Having worked with a number of businesses here and met a lot of people here, I bet on this place. And frankly, we did. I mean, that's that's our, we started a business that is really just betting on Raleigh. I'd bet on this place over almost anywhere. Why? Why, why Raleigh? Raleigh has such a good soul. Where is home? Right now, I'm making a home in Raleigh. We started a business that is really just betting on Raleigh. This is a podcast about a medium-sized, mid-Atlantic American city growing at an unprecedented rate. Only Austin has a higher growth rate over the last five years. It's one of the top three hottest job markets in America, according to the Wall Street Journal. Hosted by a Raleigh-born millennial producer and media consultant, Flo Lumsden. That's me. With co-host, former New Yorker, Jen Exer, relative newcomer to Raleigh, story and brand consultant slash writer, Chauncey Zalkin. Flo moved back here to make this her forever home. Chauncey was looking for a good place to raise her kids that shared her values and provided opportunities and was pretty to look at. She'd never lived anywhere so polite. Hi, I'm Flo. And I'm Chauncey. Welcome to the Why Raleigh podcast. A podcast about Raleigh, North Carolina, Exploring what makes this city what it is. And what it will become. Okay, John, do you want to like introduce yourself a little bit? How would you sure. introduce yourself to someone who you're just meeting, what you do, what your company does, Yeah. where you're from? Yeah, sure. So my story. Family's all from North Carolina originally, moved around a lot growing up, lived in New York City for most of my childhood, went to school in high school in Chicago, and then moved, went to Wake Forest met my wife there who's from Raleigh. And so that's how we found our way here. Story with sort of on the work side is worked in economic development for a little while with the Raleigh Chamber, then got into the recruiting business with a company called the Nautical Group, and then started my own firm Spyglass about a year ago. So late, late summer of 22. Cool. That was a very good synopsis. That was a good synopsis? Yeah. Too fast? No, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> no, I feel like everyone should work to get their little personal and work life story down to the 20 seconds you just. And I think that like in my business, the personal side and relationship side is so intertwined with the work side. Yeah. I think for a lot of small businesses, but our people business especially. Right. It's like the relationship is with me and our team members. It's not necessarily with some brand. Yeah. Part of the reason you probably came back to Raleigh was to use some of that network to not initially because you had some jobs, some regular full-time jobs here before you started your firm. Yeah. But there's definitely, I've experienced this benefit to being home when you have your own business. Totally. I think that's a big piece of it, right? Is that we, I came here with very little relationships. My wife and wife's family had a lot of them. And then I think why this company and why we've been successful here is because you can have a relationship-driven business in Raleigh. A lot of businesses are relationship businesses, but I think ours is particular when we've got people on one side and people on the other side and we're putting those people together. Yeah. It's all people. Yeah. And those being in a market where it's not, we're not a commodity, mm-hmm. where we can really lean on relationships and really grow relationships. And I think we always talk about this with candidates that when you're looking for a job, people want to know who you know, where you came from. And there's some really good things about that and some not so good things about that. Yeah, it can uh, be constraining. Totally. Or it can be like sort of an unfair advantage. 100%. But that's just the way the world is. And, you know, we talk <laughs> about it all the time that we have some, a lot of clients who have, who lean on referrals. And I'm like, that's wonderful. Referrals are awesome. I've built my entire team by referrals. That said, you end up 
hanging out with a lot of people that look like you, think like you, come yeah. from the same place as you, all that kind of stuff. And you know, this can be a whole other conversation. It may need to be cut out, but there are, adv- there are advantages to that and disadvantages to that. Totally. And there are good things about that and bad things about that. But I think that it's been, we've worked really hard at fostering and developing relationships here and friendships. I joke, we're in the friends business. Mm-hmm. Raleigh has allowed us to do that and really, again, just connect one dot and it connects to another. And then the final thing I would say on that is that it, just different than other markets I've been in is that everybody's willing to help. Yeah. I've never really had anybody be saying, nah, I'm not really going to do that. Yeah, especially growing up in New York. Yeah. No, I love New York. I'm thinking about spending more time there, but there's... It's a transactional market. Yeah, and I, it's just cultural, and there's pros and cons to every culture. And I think one of the pros of Raleigh's culture is there's more of a community. If you meet someone, there's a good chance you'll see them again, or... They might be friends with someone you didn't realize you were mutual friends with. So you don't want to treat them poorly. You never know yeah. who they're connected to or when you might see them again because it is a smaller city. Yeah. And that benefits, I think, the way people treat each other. Totally. I, we joke all the time in our business about business karma, that you just treat people well. Mm-hmm. Because it's too small of a town. I don't know if you're <laughs> too small a town to be an asshole, right? Like, uh, yes. You just can't. You can't be jerks. You can be, but <laughs> see how it goes. Yeah, right? And so we have found that to be... A, and we advise everybody on that. If we have clients or candidates, we say, we've got one cl- a client that is just trying to develop a candidate pool, a pipe, a talent pipeline, and they're just meeting anybody they can, anybody in their space, right? Because they just don't know where those conversations are going. It's, that's how it all works here. Yeah. Yep. And I want to talk to you a little bit about like technical skills versus cultural fit yeah. and personality I think that's an interesting part of recruiting yeah. and matchmaking, basically. Yeah. So the show is called Why Raleigh? And I feel like we're already answering those questions. Yeah. And so I feel like a natural next conversation would be about recruiting in general, yeah. what your philosophy is, mm-hmm. the name Spyglass, what yeah. that means to you. All that. All that. Um, and maybe you can also talk about what industries you work in. Yeah, because that- I, I was actually going to think that's probably the, ne- the way to answer a lot of those questions. I mean, if you want to ask me about Spyglass, Spyglass, I really wanted something that represented what we did, which is looking. And there's a lot of brands. We worked with a branding agency, um, and that was really important because we wanted to do it the right way. And, it, and they, we joked that when we started this on the, the spectrum of names, something um, on the scale, did you want side Botham and Associates on one side and Google on the other and saying like, where do you want your brand to be? Do you think that it should be this more formal thing where it's like your name okay. or do you want something that like doesn't really mean anything over here on the right? And uh, I said, I had something to be right in the middle okay. that sort of connotates what we do, which is looking and you know seeking and all that kind of stuff and something tangible. And the And I felt all of that was really important because to your question of like who we work with, right? So my vision with this business was to change the narrative around recruiting, which is often thought of as a luxury to most clients, right? We'll go look for this for a while or we'll go to five firms, we'll see what they come up with. And if we hire somebody, great. If we don't, we can try to do this on our own. Or we have some internal resources that we'll designate to this. And again, if maybe we have a firm working on it, if they figure it out, that's great too. Um, To a necessity, which is really focusing on organizations that don't have the internal resources or don't have the brand recognition, or are outside of a major market. Hmm. Um, And so we say that Red Hat, for example, they have a large recruiting team. 
they obviously have those people on staff because recruiting is hard for them. But they are a huge brand and sexy office in mm-hmm. downtown Raleigh. It's a special, so that so recruiting's hard for them already because they wouldn't have the team if they didn't have those people. It's really hard for Joe Blow's vacuum cleaner in Class C space in Fuquay Arena. And so we thought our whole business plan was to go where recruiting is the hardest, go where it's a necessity. Mm-hmm. And so we focus on primarily on what we call these lean businesses, mm-hmm. often not all the time, but often outside of major markets. And where we can own as much of the recruiting talent acquisition function for our clients. So just like they outsource accounting, just like they outsource legal, just like they outsource marketing or PR, we want them to think of us in the same light. And so getting back, coming full circle to the name, we often say the, the challenge for us is that, or one thing that we always say is that we're dealing with people who are incredibly sophisticated at their business, but often not sophisticated in running a business, meaning they are incredibly talented at their craft. I fit that category, right? Like I'm, I feel like we're really good at recruiting. Do we really know the best way to run a business? Definitely not. You Um, can't be everything. And so outsource what you're not good at or what you don't want to spend your time on. That's where we step in. Yeah. That was a spiel. No, I love it. (laughs) Can you, do you work with Kane? Or do you work with smaller groups? Like how how do you work with different size groups? Yeah, so so Kane Realty actually fits us pretty well. They're a 300-person company, but they have, really one person, one and a half people in their HR recruiting department. Okay. So for them, finding some key people is just as hard as for a company that is much smaller than them. We typically play with middle market, North Carolina-based, again, these really lean businesses. So you might have 100 people out in the field doing building something or on a manufacturing floor but you have three people or five people in the corporate office to handle all the business functions. And for them, finding a CFO who might be in New York is really hard, but it's also hard to manage a job board where you're going to get 300 uh, applicants. And uh, again, our sort of point in all of this is to take as much of that as we can off of. For some clients, that's just going to find one role. For others, it's really owning the entire department and we're on retainer with them. Okay. Bounced around on your answers. but Uh, Yeah, I get that. You were talking about how you try to source individual people for jobs and then you also are like a full in-house yeah. team but you're we could go to like to your question at the beginning about like on the technical side versus the cultural side because that's something we deal with all the time oh i like that for us we often rely on our clients to be the technical vetter mm-hmm. if we're doing a a very specialized technical role they know their business they know their craft better than we do What I think where our value comes in is often really understanding a company's culture, management style, location, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And being able to match that with candidates, which I think is probably part of a challenge with us because there's some bias that comes in there because you're going to connect with people that think like you and act like you and feel like you. Right. Um, But I think that's often where that's where I think a a recruiters, unless you're somebody that only does legal recruiting or only does physician recruiting or only does some very specific Mm skill set recruiting. When you're us, when you're trying to be much more matched to the company than we are to a role, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you try Uh, to get to know the company. Yeah. So I think that an, an easy way to describe it that we always talk about is that we are, we don't chase roles. We don't work on roles. We work with companies. Okay. And once we work with a company, our goal is to work on as many roles as we can within that organization. Okay. And that could be 10 a year. It could be one a year. It doesn't matter to us. But if we've spent the time to learn all of these things, these soft things about your company, 
we might as well apply that to more work instead of doing this with a new company every single time. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. And you probably have some <laughs> tools that you use online that you pay for to yeah. try to help you like sort through candidates. Yeah. And, but that blows my mind. I have such a weird resume. I've always been like rejected from <laughs> the pile. <laughs> I feel like I'm a really good worker. I've worked for a lot of startups. I'm very in, like entrepreneurial. I have my own business. But I don't have a lot of big brands like Facebook or yeah. Google. I've worked for smaller, startups, very cool funded startups in San Francisco and nonprofits and stuff. But And that's just, that's a totally different world than what we do. Okay. I think, especially in Raleigh, this goes back to our beginning of our conversation about relationships. I've always found that posting or applying and hoping somebody responds is a very challenging exercise. And it is, I know... I've been on that. It hasn't been a while, but I've done it. And I've seen it with candidates. It's a very draining exercise and emotionally draining. Yes. And so we often coach candidates, whether we're working with them or not, that you really, especially in Raleigh, you have to use your relationships. Now, I don't, what, you know, what Google or Red Hat or one of these folks or IBM in the park is doing to find people is very different than what we do. Right. Uh, are you doing more like technical roles for construction or, or is it more like, yes. mani- like in-house management? Yeah. So our starting point often are corporate roles. Okay. So operations, finance, marketing, HR, senior sales, that kind of stuff. And then, and that could be any level of that, right? It could be your CFO and it could be your ARIP person. And then once we've done that, and companies usually trust that we can be successful in those, though, the way we've done it is we've then branched out down. Mm-hmm. And so then oh, okay. company says, hey, you did our CFO, you did our head of office management, our office manager, let's then do, can you do two project managers and an estimator for us, right? Oh, okay. That's the way it usually goes. Okay. Um, but we have clients that say, this is our pain point, right? Our pain point is X, Y, Z. And I feel, especially if we're trying to develop these tight relationships and long-lasting relationships, it's really futile to say, no, we don't do that. If that's their pain point, let's go solve it. And so we really try to, as long as it's going to be an organization where we can develop a long-term partnership, as one, we don't have to do, we don't have to be on retainer, we don't have to structure it anyway, but if we know that there's the opportunity to work with you in the future, we're okay taking a chance on something. Or working on something that may not fit, you know, a category like executive search or a certain role that we have extensive experience on. Because we think that we can learn their business and advocate for their business as well as anybody. Right. And then it just occurred to me probably over time, if you're in the kind of construction, how would you describe what a lot of your clients are? Yeah. So it has... It has much more to do with the structure of the business, which okay. goes back to this lean. this lean business, right? Okay. So the way we describe when people ask is these are businesses that often have really large headcounts but very small corporate teams. But that inherently is a lot of blue-collar businesses. Right. A lot of logistics companies have a lot of truck drivers on the road, but they have a small office, right? Right. So it is, um, think, construction, manufacturing, agriculture, general operating business, logistics, okay. franchisee owner, guy that owns a bunch of car washes. Got that it. kind of stuff. It's le- It's not what I think is the easiest way not to describe what it's not. It's not all that many professional services, even though we've worked with a couple. It's no, not really any tech, no life science, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, it does. And I, I know that some of those businesses are quite different, but I would imagine another value of staying in that 
in a similar realm is you might have an employee that wants to train. You might have placed someone and you just get to know people. So over the time, you might have someone in mind for a certain yeah. role and that kind of thing. Yeah. And I had a friend tell me this because he was doing something, not in the people business, but something similar. And he said, he described it as you are helping a lot of organizations where one person can change the trajectory of that business forever. Right. That's what we do. These businesses, if you find the right CFO, it could change the direction of this business forever. If you find the right head of project management, it could change the business forever. If you find the next Susie Joe, who's been there 35 years, is retiring, and you find the next ARAP person to replace her, that can be really impactful in the business. That's what we do. Yeah, um, that's awesome. So it is, it's not, it's the antithesis of high-volume recruiting. It's right. really being purposeful about finding the person that's the right fit. Cool. How do you guys find people? In general, yeah. what do you guys do? I think a lot of it is stuff that if if you're in the recruiting business is not all that surprising. But we have, everybody uses LinkedIn, everybody posts. There's definitely, that's a science to it. There's definitely an art to it. And we've got some people on our team who are really good at selling, right? Because we're selling to candidates who right. are usually pretty content at where they are now and telling them why that they should come work for Chambliss and Rabel is one of our clients, or Sears Contract, right? Then a big piece of it, again, just going back to the theme, is relationships, is that we play in a very small, small in quotes, geographical area, Mm -hmm. where relationships and centers of influence and connectivity and referrals all become very impactful. And I think for a lot of our clients, having somebody who's thinking about this, their role or their roles all the time is really important. And then having somebody who's just in the market all the time talking to candidates, talking to other people is really important because they're not doing that. They're running their business. They're running whatever they're doing. Right. Um, And so I would say between the identifying candidates and reaching out to them and selling them and using the relationship are sort of the key ways that we go find people. But again, that's probably not all that different than what a lot of people are doing. It's just if you carve out a little niche that Mm -hmm. I think the niche in and of itself is a differentiator. Yeah. 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 I love what you said about how like placing – a person in these small offices that have a big maybe workforce, but a small like operational business yeah. team can be a huge impact on their trajectory. Yeah. So I think that is yeah. a great v- explanation of sort of what you guys are looking to do. Yeah. We're due with a frozen bait company and they needed a new ops person, right? If they find that right person, that business could go from a $5 million business to a $25 million business. I mean, they changed the employees' lives, right? Yeah. So that's what we get fired up about. Yeah, that's cool. And I like that it's not tech and I love tech and innovation, but it's like, (laughs) you know, just the things that we don't always think about being like really profitable sectors and really important sectors. Yeah, I mean, that's... Partly why we went after these organizations is because they <laughs> aren't as sexy. That's it. I'll say it for you. Yeah, yeah. really, right? Yeah. Like, and I think it's really, there's a couple things that are really good about that. One is that there aren't a whole lot of recruiting firms that want to go recruit in Goldsboro. It's really hard to recruit <laughs> Goldsboro. <laughs> Our buddy Smitty Smith, this is a true story, and Smith's Refrigeration in Lumberton is hard to recruit to. But we love that, right? Because Smitty really values what we do. It's all true. And, they're, and they're, they're probably good people. Oh, they're such good people. Yeah. And again, they really value what we do. And mm-hmm. he doesn't have any network to go find this person. And then on the flip side, I guess the whole thing is that nobody's talking to these people from the recruiting standpoint. It's not the tech world. Right. It's hard. Yeah. 
and they really value what we do. And you put that all together and it makes for a pretty, I think. Cool offering. Yeah. Unique offering. Yeah. Business solution. Yeah. Cool. I feel like I have such a great sense of what you do now. I feel like I am just like ready to talk about. I just spieled off. For if about. you needed me to be a representative at some networking event, I would know exactly what to we say. We call our work an awareness campaign. So you can just go around and wave the flag at all your events and tell them, hey, go call Spyglass. Yeah. I'm like, I know what Spyglass is. I'm fully educated. No, that's great. This podcast hopefully will be like a resource for anyone that you want to understand your business better. Yeah. I appreciate taken some time to talk about it. And I think that you could probably replicate something like this in each market, each bigger market. But I think the there are unique advantages to being here in Raleigh where you have, again, this relationship town and a lot of connectivity to Eastern North Carolina and a lot of people who came from Eastern North Carolina who are living here. And mm -hmm. yeah, the relationship side has been huge for us. Yeah, it's a growing hub. And all of these industries that you work with are servicing a lot of the other parts of the state that are growing that are more tech and totally Apple. Da, That's da, da. exactly right. Somebody asked me that one time. They were like, why don't you play in tech or life science? And I said, well, we're working with the businesses that are supporting those businesses. You can hit right. on the head. Food, buildings, totally. infrastructure maybe. They, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I work in infrastructure. We're like trying to make it, we're trying to make the power grid sexy. So that's a similar. Yeah, you told me about that. Yeah. But it's my client, but I feel like it's also my baby. But because I'm on the show. <laughs> Hi, I'm Andrea, the Community Associate at Common Desk in Raleigh. And I'm Gabby with Fiction Coffee Crabtree Terrace. Fiction uses coffee as a vessel to spark connection and create spaces where everyone belongs. Common Desk brings together the key elements of your work week, office space, coffee, events, and meeting rooms, empowers them with our hospitality-driven staff and culture. With flexible memberships, A-list amenities, and spaces built with you in mind, Common Desk exists to make days better. Common Desk and Fiction Coffee are co-sponsoring this podcast. Maybe before we wrap up, we can talk a little bit about when you worked for the city or for the Raleigh Chamber yeah. of Commerce. Yeah. When you worked for them, what did you learn about the area and how did that sort of shape your perspective on Raleigh? Yeah. So I worked for an organization that was, we were technically Raleigh Chamber employees, but our organization or our funding was separate. It's a group called Wake County Economic Development. And we were tasked with representing Raleigh and selling Raleigh to businesses that were looking to expand or relocate here. So an example that everybody just understands is when Amazon was looking at HQ2, whatever, five years ago, I wasn't there, but that our team was the face of Wake County, of Raleigh, Cary, Wake Forest to Amazon. Yeah. Along with a host of other partners. But that's what we did. And you guys probably traveled a lot. Yeah. And fortunately for Raleigh, and this is one of the things that we learned, is that there is so much inbound interest in Raleigh that it allowed us mostly to be on the receiving end. That's nice. There, most markets are not like that. There's right. know, Nashville, Austin, Denver, right? Us and Charlotte, right? But it, what I think is so cool about our market is that it is incredibly diverse from an industry standpoint, life science, tech, government, higher education, and then everybody that we work with who supports those. Yeah, who also make a lot of money. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, be... yeah, they do great too. Don't worry about them. <laughs> this gets back to sort of how we tra I transitioned from that world. All of those companies that are, that are looking to be in Raleigh, 
were really coming for only one reason. That was because of talent. It was because of the intellectual talent that was here already, and it was the talent coming out of NC State, UNC, Duke, Wake Tech, ECU, all of those places. And when we, when I spun out and was thinking about what I wanted to do next, it really was, I was thinking about like, how do we apply what I've taken and what I've seen is going to be the need into my next career? And it was, okay, let's try to figure out how to, the real focus at the beginning was to match inbound businesses with talent already here. And I think that is a huge advantage for us long-term as a market. You can look around the world and there's a lot of places and we don't have to name them that I think are going to struggle in the next two, three, four, five, ten 10 years. But I don't ever see Raleigh doing that just because of the inflow of I new know. business and talent. We're also, this is going to sound weird, but I'm very environmentally and climate change oriented. That's just the way I think. Yeah. I feel like the weather's going to be tough everywhere, but like the flooding in New York. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like Raleigh is nowhere is great, but <laughs> we're not like right on the water. Yeah. So we don't get hit by the hurricanes as much. And then you've got the mountains and the be- it's just like a nice. You're giving the EDPNC sales pitch. You don't know what that is, but the EDPNC is the Economic Development Partnership of North Carolina. Uh-huh. And that's what they sell. Do they talk about climate change? I'm sure they do. Yeah. You should go talk to them. I'm curious. I should go talk to them. Um, yeah. I bet, I bet, they, I bet they don't because I feel like. It's still a political thing, unfortunately. Yeah. I think it's changing. Yeah. And it's a, it's a depressing thing. Nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah. Think about it. But it's sort of like happening. Yeah. Anyway, I, I think go, about... We can go for a whole other subject. <laughs> Here's what I love. I feel like I'm just of the mindset of there, there's no conversation, there's no progress, and I don't like the way that things have been so divided and politicized and, what's the right word, polarized. And yeah. I just feel like... I have friends that are more conservative than me that care about the environment, but going to think about it in a different way. Yeah. And I'm open to that. I don't put them down for, I don't put people down for thinking differently than me. We're all coming from our own context and our own worldview and our own family and belief system. And we all want clean air, reliable electricity. Yeah good food, healthy food. We all want the same things. And I try to like focus on those things while also pushing for change that I believe will proliferate those things for us. But yeah, I don't like to exclude anybody. I don't like to put... No matter where you fall on the political spectrum, you think the mountains are really pretty and the marsh is really pretty at sunset, right? Yes. And so like, let's try to keep those things going. Yeah. Yeah. Let's try to keep (laughs) those things going. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I just feel like it's, it could be like location-wise a good place. Yeah. I would, having worked with a number of businesses here and met a lot of people here, I'd bet on this place. And frankly, we did. I mean, that's, that's, or we started a business that is really just betting on Raleigh. I'd bet on this place over almost anywhere. Yep. Got to hold on to that house. <laughs> I feel like real estate's going to go up and down everywhere. They say it's just going to keep going up here. Yeah. We don't have to worry about it. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. It's curious. Curious to see. I feel like everything's gone up since the Apple announcement. Yeah. Do you feel like that? I don't know if I've experienced that, but we bought our house during COVID and are just hanging on to it until we die. So yeah, we haven't really paid attention to anything else. <laughs> my, we bought my house for, I don't know, 25% less than what, 20% less than it's valued now yeah. in two years. Yeah. We sold our house. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that 
there was a noticeable increase in value after the Apple announcement. Or maybe other things were happening then too, but... No, but I think that's... And just to go back, that Apple is like... Our team was... My old team was working on that Apple thing, which is so cool. That like we get to... They got to work on really cool stuff. (gasps) Um, Can you tell me about that? I didn't... I wasn't involved in it. You weren't... You you were there after that or before that? Oh. That would have been fascinating. He... Cook... What's his first Tim name? Cook. Tim Cook went to Duke. Yeah. So I think that's why he chose to yeah. come back here. Yeah. I can, if you want to go down that rabbit hole for a second, we can. So like we, we, one of the last projects that I worked on was a company called Infosys and they're an Indian IT company and they were moving, they moved, they opened up an office in North Raleigh for 2000 people and they were at the time the largest economic development project in the state, I think. And then two weeks after that it was usurped. And three weeks after that, it was usurped. And then four times since then, it's been usurped. And that's just an example of how quickly and how fast or how significant the growth has been, even in the last, that was eight years ago now. Um, Wow, that was eight years ago? And now we've got, I keep seeing all these new developments coming up. I can't even believe, I think Raleigh's changed. It's just going to be totally... They're not like getting rid of everything that was here. They're just adding a lot of new developments yeah. like shopping and living, live work. And yeah, it's insane. That can be a controversial topic, but I, we always talked about that in economic development that people were moving here because of what it has, but really also because of what it can be. Yeah. You're leaving New York, Rochester, New York, or Flint, Michigan, or Detroit, or Chicago, or even New York City or DC. Because you are looking for something that's going in a certain direction. And I think one of the exciting things to me about Raleigh is that you've got, yes, you have a ton of growth and growth is hard and change is hard and no. It is. Um, But I do think you have a community, frankly, that really cares about what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And there are always challenges with development and growth and all of that kind of stuff. But. I think there is some strategic thought going into what this place should be long-term or can be long-term. And you have, I think, I may be a little biased, but you have a development community that really does care about making it a city that works, Mm -hmm. not just turning into Houston where you have just strip malls for as far as you can see. Yeah, dear God, please. (laughs) Please, actually, yeah, like the the new development across the street, Ironworks. Yeah. Um, nowadays, I, currently, I'd still drive to get where I'm going, but if I lived a little bit closer in, I could probably bike most or a lot of places. Yeah. And you couldn't do that ten years ago, and now I think that it's more compact. I think they're trying to do more density, which is great to me. I think so too. I think people are afraid because it probably the traffic probably will be, it might be rough for a little bit. But then that's going to push for change, like for more buses and more bikes yeah. and more walkable bridges and over the road. And here's the hot take, right? Is that you either grow or you, or you die. And I don't mean that flippantly. It's like you, there's no like, we'll just keep the status quo and be happy for the rest of eternity. Either you stop building and people leave or you become, you continually be the sexy place where everybody wants to move to. And that requires infrastructure, it requires multifamily, it requires, yeah. you know, and that, that really we have housing issues already. <laughs> you and. You have people who are moving to go work from Apple and are getting paid the average salary, I think it's 150K, who are coming from New York who expect certain amenities. Yeah. And yeah, that's going to be hard and we have to be thoughtful about it. And 
I'm not going to go down the affordable light housing. Rail, light <laughs> rail, light rail, light rail. From Raleigh to Durham, from Raleigh to Durham, to I, the airport. Yeah, connect it all. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I just, yeah, I feel like certain, I know, I feel like Brian's, was Brian involved? No. Brian involved, Brian's involved in this development, Brian Kane. Yeah. But not in Raleigh Ironworks. But yeah, that's grub. That's grub. But they're close to each other, and I think they're, they'll probably eventually have a walkway over the yeah, street. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've, I don't know. Which would be great. Say? Anyway, I feel like there's just people also looking forward to in the future, we might not own a car. We might just yeah. have self-driving cars that take us from place to place. Well, having spent my childhood in New York City on the Upper East Side, most of my friends didn't own cars. And that was nice. It was really cool. Trust me, there's some challenges about that when it takes you 45 minutes to go two miles to go to the doctor's office. But, and I'm also, there's a reason why we live here where we've got, can put our two kids in the back of a Tahoe and pull up to Wegmans. Perfectly content about that. <laughs> yeah, it is but nice. I do think, I'm a full advocate that let's build cities where cities are supposed to be and then let's let everything else be what it's supposed to be. And I think the worst thing you can do for a place like this is just have sprawl where it goes. Because you see in LA, it's just the more people, the more cars, the more traffic. Which is, I think, the more air pollution. It's just not. It's not easy to get anywhere if you, if everything's car yeah, oriented. You right. need a balance. That's right. And I think that's what Grub and SLI and Brian and Atlas Dark and those guys have all done pretty thoughtfully here. Right? Is create another little, I don't know what they call it, submarket epicenter. Right. Where this is all of a sudden Midtown Raleigh is going to be a thing, and or East End Market somewhere between North Hills and downtown. It's you could yeah. live here and have connectivity to a whole bunch of things and i think downtown and north hills are great you, you could live most of your life without a car there yeah you north still might want a car to go certain places but you could live a whole lot of it without it yeah yeah and if there was there probably will be little buses that go in between places that are close to each other yeah that would be like a five minute bus ride go look up bus rapid transit have you followed this at all yeah my friend nick Neptune okay. is very involved in it. So I think it's, you talk about light rail. I think light rail would be awesome. But BRT is actually happening. Yeah. And you can use the roads. And it's a very different experience than the current bus system, which. Because uh, they're putting the buses in the middle of the roads. Yeah. And the, bu and the bus. Dedicated line. Dedicated. Yeah. It's literally having a train that runs on the road. Yeah. And it doesn't require a whole bunch of infrastructure. And I think the smartest thing is that it's malleable. Because 10 years ago, you would have never thought, or 20 years ago, you would have never thought that this spot or North Hills would have been a key destination on that path. Now you want it to be. And then the next thing is going to show up, and you're going to want that to be a key destination. Yeah. And it's not the problem with, to me, the light rail. Yes, of course, downtown Raleigh to the airport to Chapel Hill to Durham is always going to be a route. Right. It's There's just an announcement at PNC that they're going to do development around there. All of a sudden, you're going to want a light rail stop there. And, right. Um, I think BRT is a really thoughtful next step yeah and they can if they want to eventually they can turn that into totally. light rail because it'll be there'll be separate lanes in the middle of the road i think or yeah i think some from what i've understood at least where you get in get on and get off there's like a dedicated yeah i think that most of them are dedicated roads and then they can use if lasseter mill if they if a road if a bus is going down lasseter mill and they don't have the space to go do another lane they can just use the normal roads yeah cool I feel like I've learned a lot. I hope that you enjoyed the conversation. Well, I thank you. This was great. Yeah. I think that there'll be some great sound bites about your business. and A couple snippets we can pull out. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Definitely. 
-hmm. it wasn't all for naught. Oh, no, it's going to be great. (laughs) Oh, I didn't ask you the question I normally ask, but we're close, but we've got probably 10 more minutes. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. What's one of the scariest things that you've done in your business or in business? How did you feel after you did it? Starting my on my own was terrifying. It was my dad always allowed him growing up that clarity is good. That doesn't mean it's easy. It means it's good. And so it was very clear that this was the moment in time to go do something. It still felt scary as hell. I had put some a lot of thought into what I was going to do next, and had some people who I who were going to do it with me. D at the beginning that I felt much more comfortable about it. But still, it's a big risk. Mm-hmm. And I'm using her as an example. It's, it's me leaving from a salary, but I've experienced this before in betting on myself, so that's easy. I give her a ton of credit because she's betting on me, and yeah, we knew each other, but not so much that you would bet your some of your family's livelihood on it. Mm-hmm. But I think it when I left... It was, there's, it's always, I think, a mix of relief and terror. Yeah. Again, it's clarity, right? It was the right decision. That doesn't mean it's the easy decision, but it's the right decision. You just know what's going to be motivating and exciting yeah. for you and that eventually that could that's likely to be more successful for you than something that you're not. Yeah. And I think that having done my own thing, and I bet you've experienced this too, the coolest part about it to me and the thing that I've experienced almost immediately was the intellectual freedom mm-hmm. where like all of a sudden you see something that's different, that's new, just go figure it out, go mm-hmm. do it, go solve that problem. Yeah. Um, Try a new software. Yeah. This applicant tracking system isn't working. Scrap it. Let's do something different. Yeah. Um, let's partner with this group. Yeah. You know, historically we haven't worked on that kind of stuff. I don't know. Let's go do it and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Now we wanted to be very honest with a lot of those clients that this is something new that, you know, you're taking a chance and we'll put in some guardrails to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that has been super fun. Yeah. It's more, it's, if you're a creative person, Yeah, which I feel like there's all kinds of creativity. It doesn't have to be art or music. It could be business and partnerships and connecting people. It's funny you say it's because I got, yeah, I think you're exactly right. I had an interview, this is a quick digression, I had an interview when I was like 22 years old at an ad agency in New York, and it was for an account manager role. And they asked me why I wanted this role, and I was like, well, I'm not really a creative person, but I love working with creative people. And they called me afterwards, I didn't get the job, and they said, mm, we didn't love your answer there. And in a much nicer way than I just described it, but still. And I think that was like, I've come to realize that, that yeah, I'm not an artist and I grew up in a family of artists and creatives oh, and that kind of stuff, that's interesting. but there is a wide range of creativity and creative thinking. Yeah. That's very fulfilling. I think if you're a people person, there's all kinds of things that are created between people, Yeah, new businesses, new buildings, like you're putting people together to create stuff. So yeah. it's, it is very creative, I think. Yeah. You get to be creative. I feel like that, like to see, like to take a risk and make something happen that turns out good or doesn't turn out good and you do something, you learn. It's just really rewarding. Yeah, maybe I should change that line from intellectual freedom to intellectual creativity. I'll take it. I think they both work great. I, I knew what you meant. I'm going to steal it. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, let's call it. Okay, done. 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 <laughs> 
Please follow or subscribe so you don't miss our next episode coming soon. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts. See you soon, Raleigh.